as we get closer to the end of the year, we get less daylight and the motivation can go from really great to just surviving. Today, we're going to focus a little bit on how to get from surviving to thriving. I'm Callie Youngstrom, and this is Keep Yourself Well. My guest today is a good friend and colleague in the wellness space. Terry Boucher is the host of the Unhinged and Healing podcast, where she helps her audience through confidence, overcoming adversity, changing a crappy mindset, using manifestation, and so much more, all with the goal of helping improve health, wellness, relationships, and in this very expensive world, finances. An avid mental health advocate, Terry has her own story of resilience and triumph, how she beat depression and trauma, how she turned her passion into a career helping others. Let's get into it. Hello, dear Terry. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. I'm so, so excited. I'm so happy. We were recently neighbors in Central America. Like you were, you know, just a few short hours away. Where in Costa Rica were you? I was in an area called Perez del Don, and the town that I was right outside of is San Isidro de General. Super small. It's like mostly all locals, um, not very much tourism there. So. Oh, cool. I'll have to look up how far that is. But now you're back in BC and I want to hear all about your trip. But before I have to ask you my very loaded question of how do you keep yourself well? Ooh, ooh, that's such a loaded question. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Okay, I love that. Um, I mean, there's so many different ways, so many different ways. I Okay, well, b- basics, I guess, is just like movement diet um connection with people i think that i think that relationships and connection with people is so so huge and so underestimated you know um it drives me insane when people are like oh i have depression i have anxiety but they don't leave their house they don't see the sun they don't exercise they don't all they eat is potato chips and whatever and there's so much more to it like i feel like our physiology and our even further than our physiology, our like soul needs so many things. But just to keep it simple, I feel like exercise, diet, and having amazing relationships in your life that are like fulfilling um, is where it's at. And those That's your foundation. Well, and we'll talk about it more, but you made a great point. Obviously, I'm a huge mental health advocate. I have a background in psychology, but if you're not taking care of some of those basics that we need to be optimized as humans, not that it's necessarily the cause or catalyst to mental health issues, but it's definitely not going to improve your baseline. So I always think take care of those basics and then see what's needed in terms of therapy, medication, et cetera. So coming back to Costa Rica, I would love for you to talk to us about why you ended up in Costa Rica and what your time was like there, as well as what it's been like integrating back at home. Yeah, it was crazy. It was really crazy. Um, So the reason I went to Costa Rica was because my dad had a stroke right before I went down to Costa Rica. So I found out he had a stroke and basically I booked my flight like right away and got down there Um, because, and I guess your listeners 
wouldn't know the back, like wouldn't know what's going on with my dad or the background. But my dad over the past three or four years has had quite a few strokes and he's been diagnosed with um, dementia and uh, diabetes. And he's just had kind of a whirlwind of health issues. Um, so the past few years have been really crazy because his health has been declining and, um, so it's been weird because, you know, I think anyone who, if, if anyone listening to this can relate about going from, you know, the daughter and father role to almost being reversed, being like the caregiver and not having that dad role anymore. It's really, really weird. So anyways, um, I digress. That's the reason I went down to Costa Rica is because my dad had another stroke. And the difficult thing with this situation is, bless his soul, he is so fucking stubborn. Am I allowed to swear? He, I'm not allowed do to whatever. swear. <laughs> okay. <laughs> He's so stubborn. He's so, yeah. so stubborn. And he is gung-ho on living in Costa Rica, living out his life in Costa Rica. And he doesn't understand the consequences on us you know because if he if he dies in Costa Rica even getting his body back is like gonna be an insane fee like it's gonna be like a hundred thousand dollars or something like that we've looked into like different things like that and he refuses to get insurance and so he's over the past few years has had um quite the lack in judgment and it has to do with his strokes and his dementia so that's a huge part of it so um, the beginning of my trip was like extremely emotional. And I also on the way down to Costa Rica lost my phone in the airport. And I was like, ah, I just want to call my mom and cry. That's all I want to do. <laughs> but I can't. So I feel like um, my trip down to Costa Rica, I was just being tested and tested and tested. Can't speak Spanish. I was like feeling very uncomfortable with that. I didn't know where to go. And then also staying in a town that's like just locals um, felt really tough to me. I was like, no one speaks English here and I don't know where to go. I don't know what to do. Like, you know, but anyways, it ended up turning into like the most kind of beautiful thing ever because I think the universe was just like throwing things at me and was like, you need to slow the hell down. You need to surrender to what is on your way and you need to like be present with your father kind of thing. And so I really just kind of like steeped into surrendering with what was being thrown my way. So yeah, so I lost my phone, got to Costa Rica um, a day later, I had been logged out of like my Google account and all of my important work accounts. And my Google account is somehow attached to everything else. So I couldn't yeah, get into, I couldn't get into anything. So my like expectations, my plan to like work for three weeks while figuring out what to do with my dad was out the window. And I was like, okay, there's literally nothing I can do about this. I, I can't work down here. Um, I don't have my phone and I just have to like, I can either cry all day about this or I can like be so grateful that I'm in Costa Rica. I have this time with my dad and, you know, so I definitely cried for two days, but <laughs> once, once we got to, and I almost booked a flight home, it was like, I got there Monday night, Tuesday, I recognized how my dad was living and I was like in shell shock. I was in complete shell shock about how he was living his life and how you know, 
like how it was not okay. And then all this stuff happened with like my Google account and whatever. And then I was like, I need to come home. I can't deal with this. Like, I'm not, I'm not capable of dealing with this, you know? And it's funny because I had a conversation with um my the guy who rents the place to my dad. And he was like, it was so simple, but he was, and I've heard this saying so many times, but it was something like, you know, God doesn't put anything on your shoulders that you're not capable of handling. And I was like, oof, okay okay, it's fine. We've got this, you know? And so over the next few weeks, I just really settled into like appreciating everything, working on meeting some like really beautiful people. I met the most amazing people in Costa Rica and connected with like some really, really gorgeous souls that just like lit me on fire and will be connections for like a long time. And then had the most beautiful time with my dad too. We played crib like nearly every day together. Um, We cooked together and, you know, that kind of thing. And then um, at the end of my trip, I was feeling so anxious about leaving my dad down in Costa Rica because we didn't have a plan to get him back yet. And we kind of have to do things in a sneaky way because for lack of better words, he's at flight risk. Like he will just take off and, you know, and it would be difficult to get him back. Um, But at the end of his trip, he sent a bunch of money to a scammer and got his whole bank account compromised or the end of my trip two days before I left and so his whole bank account was compromised it was frozen it was whatever and it was kind of like at first I was like oh my god not again because this happened a few times with him but then I was like wow this is such a freaking blessing because I leave in two days so I like called my sisters I was like get him a flight booked right now he's coming home he doesn't have money like this is perfect this is our time to like pull the trigger and get him home oh my gosh what is happening? Whoa. That just gave me full body chills. <laughs> I've never seen that. I'm so glad we're recording video. Have you ever seen that? on? No, Zoom? I've never seen that. What just happened? <laughs> the universe has spoken. Yeah, no doubt. Oh my God. Wow. (laughs) Wow. Um, Yeah. So we booked a flight and um, so this happened on the Monday and I was leaving late Tuesday night and getting an Uber late Tuesday night and flying out Wednesday morning because the airport's like five hours away. Um, And so we booked him a flight on Monday, packed all his shit and, um, and then flew out or I guess the Uber came and picked us up mi- midnight on Tuesday and got him back to Victoria and it's uh yeah it was really crazy so oh I mean talk about surrendering and it all worked out exactly as it was meant to and the lesson in not being able to make a judgment on something that is out of your control happening because you don't know what the outcome is going to be. I feel like you and I actually maybe have even talked about this. Uh, I for sure talked about it on the podcast before, but it reminds me of this story and oh my gosh, I'm going to butcher it. Um, But it's like, okay, hold on. I'll just talk like I'm talking to you because my dear editor can edit this out, but it's like uh, you're 
have you heard this thing? It's like a Chinese historic tale or something. And it's like the horse runs away and the dad is like, um, oh no, like, okay, hold on. I'm going to Google this. Yeah. I don't think I've heard of this. Maybe I have, but not off the top of my head. I have to read it to you because I feel like you'll love it and use it. Okay. The parable of the Chinese farmer. Thank God for Google. Cause I was going to absolutely butcher that. Okay. <laughs> a long time ago, a poor Chinese farmer lost a horse and all the neighbors came around and said, well, that's too bad. The farmer said, maybe shortly after the horse returned, bringing another horse with him and all the neighbors came around and said, well, that's good fortune to which the farmer replied, maybe hold on, pause. I have to load the whole thing. This is worth it. I feel like this will be a great teaching for you to share eventually the next day the farmer's son was trying to tame the new horse and he fell breaking his leg and all the neighbors came around and said well that's too bad and the farmer replied maybe shortly after the emperor declared war on a neighboring nation and ordered all able-bodied men to come and fight many died or were badly maimed but the farmer's son was unable to fight and spared due to his injury and all the neighbors came around and said well that's good fortune to which the farmer replied maybe and so the story goes so the whole thing being we can't make judgment of what is happening out of our control and what the outcome is going to be so the broken leg ended up saving him the scammer of the bank account potentially ended up saving your dad by the sound of it and i mean just one of the most devastating things seeing a parent deteriorate let alone with something like dementia where that you know the judgment and understanding and you know it's not the person that you knew who's able to make the decisions for you and that caretaker role being reversed is just so heavy so i'm thrilled that he's at least within distance that you can ensure his safety and well-being wow so what did this whole experience teach you and do you feel like you were really able to enjoy your experience of costa rica experiencing it through this lens with so much of the priority being caretaking of your father? Yeah. Um, I feel like I learned a lot. Like I feel like, um, and I'm so I'm, I'm, I'd like to preface by saying that I'm like kind of not a super spiritual person, but I just had so many things happening back to back to back. And then I had multiple people reaching out to me being like, I feel like you're going through like an initiation right now. Like, I feel like you're going through an initiation. And I'd be like, whatever. Like, I'm not, I'm not a spiritual person. I don't really like believe in that kind of thing. But then all of this was happening and I was like, maybe they're right. Maybe I am like evolving into this new human kind of thing. Embrace the crisp vibes of the season with Sweet and Sprouted as the weather cools down and the leaves turn vibrant shades and the snow starts to fly, maybe a little too early. It's the perfect time to nourish your body and soul with their delectable treats. Step into a world of guilt-free indulgence. Their storefront is overflowing with sugar-free goodies that will make your taste buds dance with delight. Dive into decadent desserts crafted without added sugar, allowing you to savor the sweetness while staying true to your low-carb and keto goals. With the cooler days ahead, your eating habits may change and your cravings may change. But luckily, so do the offerings of Sweetened Sprouted's curated selection of snack seasonings, fresh goodies, and bevies to keep you fueled and energized throughout your busy days. Head over to sweetensprouted.com and enter promo code WELLNESS10 to replenish your stock. Try some new fall goodies, all with an inclusive 10% discount on your order. Use promo code WELLNESS10 and let the magic begin.
first. I think the biggest thing that I have continually needed to learn is to surrender. And um, I, you know, I preach it all the time. I preach to surrender and to, you know, exactly that story, not put judgment on your circumstances and not, you know, try to shift your perspective in when bad things get thrown your way, shift your perspective because it's only going to harm you to have an ill perspective. You know, there's so many people, I can't think of like a specific circumstance right now, but you know, there's something to be grateful for in every single moment and no matter what, like no matter what at all, you know, even someone who has cancer, they will find something to be grateful for if they want to kind of thing. Um, And so I think I really needed to shift my perspective in the very beginning of my trip because I was kind of moping on myself about my expectations not being met. And so I think, um, I think being kind of fluid with like, you may have certain expectations and when it doesn't happen your way, are you able to pivot and are you able to shift your perspective and kind of surrender to what's meant to happen? Um, Because I think that was kind of the biggest lesson that I like needed to learn on, on the trip and just learning to really be present and uh, love my dad exactly the way he is, because I think something I've struggled with personally, and maybe other people have struggled with this as well, if they have watched a loved one um, change due to any type of illness, is for so long, I tried heavily to control my dad and really get him to, you know, try the carnivore diet, try to quit smoking, try to exercise, try to do all these things. And I was trying to control him for so long, but he just refused to change anything about his life. He just wanted to live the way he wanted to live. And, you know, when, when it's his time to go, that's, that's what he wants kind of thing. And, um, so learning to love him for exactly where he's at, learning to love him in his illness and learning to appreciate everything about him and not be bitter with him and not be mad that he doesn't want to change his life. So I think that was a huge shift for me on this trip because um, I feel like I've held some kind of resentment, even though, you know, he's sick and he's got dementia and stuff. I've held, held resentment for him not taking care of himself. Um but I think I just really shifted from instead of instead of coming from a place of fear, coming from a place of love. And that's that's huge. Like, I think that's I think that's relevant in every situation, no matter what the situation is. So, yeah, you took the word fear right out of my mouth, because I think that we you know, we think of emotion on such a spectrum, which it of course is, but I think generally emotions can fall into, you know, two categories, one being love and one being fear and resentment is on the emotional spectrum of fear, right? We try to control, we try to force. And I think anybody with, you know, elder parents, whether actively struggling with their health, health and something as chronically deteriorating as dementia or not, you know, you know, even I can relate to like, I want, you know, want my parents, which they take great care of themselves. But I'm like, you know, I want to preach and like, give you all the answers as if, you know, as if I know everything in the world, but honoring the relationship to be the highest quality while you still have him. And that does take so much surrender. Again, I feel like that is just the absolute theme of it. And I think you highlighted something really beautiful too, where 
you know, let's say what we classify because, you know, what we're saying, like with this parable of the farmer and not making judgments on things that are happening out of our control, whether they're going to be good or bad, you know, the Buddhist way, it's like, it's neither good or bad. It just is right. Like we're not putting attachment and judgment to that, but we're human and we do. And I think knowing that the good and the bad and, you know, the, the beauty and the evil or however you would like to describe it can coexist at any given time, you know? So on one hand, you're seeing all of these incredibly challenging things that we would maybe classify as bad or negative and also allowing yourself to experience positives. And I wonder if there's some guilt, like, do you feel guilt to be having positive parts of that experience when, you know, you're seeing your dad struggle as well, or even, you know, when you were in Kelowna or being, sorry, being in BC and you're not even in Kelowna, sorry, we have, I have, Canadian house now property mates who are from Kelowna right now. I'm like, the world is just so small, but you're in Victoria. Um, yeah. So whether you're in BC, you know, can you really enjoy every day there, not worrying about your dad, you know, and not having some sort of guilt or concern about him. So I am thrilled that there were so many positives in the trip for you on the other side of that letting go. And oh yeah, the universe was giving you some serious lessons. And I feel for you because being in Nicaragua at the same time as you, I mean, very similar in the sense it's like pretty rural and, you know, not a lot of English speakers, but having your phone is such a feeling of comfort lifeline because I have data. If I'm in an emergency, I can use it. If I need Google translate, I can use it. You know, just having that gives you such a massive sense of security. So knowing that you didn't have that, I really feel for you because, you know, I felt those tears the first couple of days of me being here not dealing with, you know, an ill parent and not having lost my phone and been locked out of everything. So look at you now thriving on the other side of it. Yeah, it was crazy. It was really crazy. But um, yeah, I'm very grateful. And I know that like, I know that everything that gets, again, everything that gets put on my shoulders, I can handle. And everything that gets put in front of me and put on my shoulders, um, I meant to learn to help other people get through it because I truly, truly do believe that I am like a teacher or, you know, put on this earth to help people. Um, I think that some people maybe aren't put on the earth for that. And I think I am. And so I think that's kind of my perspective. Anytime I get like really pummeled, I'm like, okay, I need to figure out what this is teaching me and I need to really pay attention to how I'm getting through this so I can help other people get through this. And that's kind of like a blessing. So. Well, and positively forces you to look at what the positives are, what are the lessons, and then constantly pushing you into that new timeline for yourself where you can guide others. And something I feel is that it gives you this kind of healthy pressure where what can I learn from this and what can I teach? If you're always looking for the lesson in it, it forces you to find the positive in an easier way. And this is the perfect foray into how did you find this career? Because you have made such a huge personal shift since I met you. And I think, you know, even within the last year, there's been kind of many reiterations of this shift. You're constantly growing and talking about that experience. So I'd love to know your lifestyle change in terms of what you're doing professionally, as well as some of your values, because you're being very vocal about your values, which I love. And I want to know, uh, because I think that people from the outside in, it's like, this is a new Terry, almost like a level of rebirth. You're redefined the person that you are in the last couple of years. 
Yeah, I really have. And sometimes I, sometimes I almost forget that I have done that. And then I, you know, on the days where I'm being hard on myself for maybe not being exactly where I want to be or not being as far along as I want to be, um, I have to remind myself that holy, holy guacamole, I have really changed my entire life in two years or whatever. And you know, completely overhauled my life. So it is a good, it is a good reminder that, yeah, like things have really, really changed for me. So yeah, like I, I moved up to BC a year and a half ago um, with the intention of going to school for kinesiology. I did go to school for kinesiology um, and then I dropped out and I quickly realized like I had this idea in the back of my head for a long time that I wanted to help people. I wanted to coach And I have a huge, huge passion for personal development, self-help, you know, the whole shebang. I've been working on myself heavily since I was like 18 years old, basically. And, um, but I kind of always like had the idea in my mind, like, who am I to do that? Big time imposter syndrome, like, oh, I'm, you know, I need to be more educated. It's not like, that's not for me. You know, all these coaches out there, like they kind of know what they're doing. They whatever. Um, I had all those ideas in my head. And then, um, yeah, I just was diving so deep into personal growth and really like on fire with my routines, my habits, just feeling so good. And I decided to hire a coach. And um, ultimately, I wanted to hire a coach to help me like level up my life even more. And he was like, basically what he said to me on the phone was, Terry, like you don't need a life coach, you're literally crushing it at life. You need to hire a business coach and you need to start coaching because you're holding yourself back from starting a coaching business for no reason. And I had told him, I was like, well, I think I'll start coaching. Like once I get my master's in um, physical therapy and, you know, down the road, like then, then once I have that, then I can start coaching kind of thing. And he was like, what the hell? Like, you don't need that. Like, don't wait seven years to I was just going to say that's a massive time. (laughs) Yeah. Like that's so dumb kind of thing. So I hired him as my business coach and I still had the idea that I was going to finish school and then I would get into my coaching business. And, and it was just an excuse I was saying, because I was so scared to step into this field. And then six months later, I dropped out of school and (laughs) started my coaching business. And it's funny because yeah, people like back home, I had people reach out to my best friend back home being like, has Terry gone crazy? Is she going crazy? Like what's going on with her kind of thing. So many people had reached out to my best friend being like, is she okay? Like, has she gone mad? What's going on with her? Like, what is going, what's this thing that she's doing kind of thing. So I definitely dealt with like, you know, some, some people, some of other people's opinions and that kind of thing. But ultimately, um, it took a really good coach for me to just like dive into wanting to do this. And it was something that was in the back of my head for so long, but I just couldn't see that it was a possibility. I couldn't see that I was capable and that I had everything in me and that I was, you know, could step into that role. Um, So that's like a good lesson for anyone that if there's something that has been tugging on your heart and weighing on you to do for a really long time, but you feel like you're not capable for whatever reason, I promise you, you are. The knowledge is all out there. Google has everything like you, you know, you can figure out everything. So if there's something tugging on you, then take the steps. There's a saying that, you know, people usually spend, what is it? 
it takes people about 12 years to take the first hour of action towards their goals. Something like that. So it's like, just take, just take a step, do the first thing you need to do. That's it. You know, stop procrastinating what you need to do because you don't think you're worthy of it. Um, so that, that was a huge transition for me is of course I was already on the wavelength of personal growth and development, but then I just really dove in and took a step and stepped into my business. And it's been the most insane, wild, beautiful thing. I've been able to help women on their journey of like, you know, standing up to their potential, putting boundaries up with friends, stopping their people pleasing, like getting in alignment with their life and, and things like that. Um, so it's been crazy. It's like, something that I could not have imagined I'd be here two years ago because I really did not think I was capable of that. Um, and then as for like my values and traditions and my opinions, I guess. Um, yeah, I'm definitely opinionated on my Instagram. I definitely am. But I think that's the way to be because I think that's how you draw in your crowd, your crew, you know, um, there's some people that just aren't my people and that's okay. Like that is amazing. You, you know, and then there's people that are my people and it's like, holy crap, you're my people. Like I, you know, this feels so good. And it wouldn't be, I wouldn't be me if I wasn't showing up online and being authentic. If I was showing up online as this dulled down version of me and, uh, you know, then it just, I just wouldn't feel good. Like I wouldn't feel in full alignment. So yeah, like I, I definitely share a lot about traditional values. I love the idea of traditional roles in relationships. I'm super not about, um, you know, modern day feminism that is promoted nowadays. Um, and just kind of like the, you know, really, really nuanced, like stuff that's going on in the world. Like I, yeah, I yeah. <laughs> don't get well, too political, but I'm very opinionated on my Instagram. Yeah. But I appreciate that because I think so many people, I think everyone's opinionated. Most people don't share their opinions because of fear, but that fear is just going to keep the people who aren't really in alignment with you close, you know, and maybe they're there forever, or maybe eventually you do speak your truth and you're going to lose them anyway. And what are you getting for them? Right? Like those are not your people. That's not your tribe. They're not going to be your supporters, like personally, whether, you know, in friendship or your clients professionally. So really what are they doing there other than adding, you know, adding to the noise? And I think we're also scared of offending people. And the, idea that you making this change and starting to step into your truth. And I think it's a shock for everyone else where you've probably been having these ideas and having these values running in the back of your mind. It's not until you start talking about it more publicly that people are like, oh my God, has Terry lost her mind? If we all spoke our opinions, we'd probably get more of that, right? But we're so scared of offending people. We're so scared of, you know, scaring people away. And the judgment that these people had of you, like, you know, okay, she's becoming so different. Is she losing it? That judgment keeps people stuck. So the fact that you experience that and continue to just step forward, I mean, I give you so much credit because I think it's one of the reasons a lot of people don't do what they're called to do. They aren't stepping into that next, you know, timeline. They're not taking that first step because they're so scared of what the judgment of other people's are is, is going to be. And so it keeps us safe 
right? But that safety is not necessarily the thing that's best for us. So when there's fear, I mean, action is the antidote to fear as far as I'm concerned. So just continuing to take that one first step. And I can't imagine, like, if you reflected back where you think you would be two years, you know, if you had stayed in school and done what you were doing, I don't think you would be healthy and happy by the sounds of it, at least not to the you know point that you are now. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. A hundred percent. I think um, I just thought of this quote and I might butcher it, but it's something like if, um, you know, what can be wrecked by the truth should be wrecked by the truth. I, I don't think that's exact, but I think that's paraphrasing, but it's like, you know, if a friendship can be destroyed by you speaking your opinion, then it should be kind of thing. Um and I did see a lot of that when I was really stepping into, you know, going this way with what I want to do with my life, my purpose, and then also speaking more freely about my opinions, what I believe, um, and not staying so quiet due to fear. Um, I definitely lost friendships and it was tough because I feel like anyone who really decides to step into what they want and take a leap of faith, they kind of have this period of time. There's like, okay, I'm comfortable with my friends. I'm comfortable with my lifestyle. I'm scared of judgment. They decide to maybe take a leap, take a step. They see their friends pulling away and they can either choose to lean fully into it's okay if these people leave my life because then maybe they're not for me or they can choose to retreat back to their comfort zone and stay there because they're so scared of losing people. And the problem is, is that we all have this period where we may not have friends for a little while. We may not find our tribe right away. And you have to be comfortable with maybe not finding your people, maybe being alone for a little bit. But the thing is, is that when you get through that, when you get to the other side, it's like the most amazing, most beautiful thing. I literally have chills because that's the reason I connected with you. That's the reason I connected with so many other beautiful people that I have the most amazing connections with so much better than all my old friendships because I was willing to take a leap. I was willing to let go of friendships and relationships that weren't serving me in order to have better ones. But I had to feel comfortable being a little bit like a little bit lost, a little bit unsure and just having faith for like a little bit. Yeah. So. It's so scary. I mean, it's that it's so simple. And I, I always say cliches are cliche for a reason, right? There's a they're repeatable because they're formulas. You know, when people come into your life for a reason, a season or a lifetime, I think it's okay to have people for a lifetime. I often see, I think we follow a lot of the same pages in terms of relationships and, you know, nutrition and child rearing and other things. <laughs> All and, things. Um, yeah. Like you're the, one of the few like close friends that I have where I'm like, Oh, let me like, there's niche <laughs> memes that I only will send you. And that I'm like, this is perfect for Terry. But, um, just that seasonality of friendships coming and going. But so, sorry, what I was getting to is I often see relationship posts that I don't necessarily um, agree with talking about if you don't have, if someone doesn't have like childhood friends or like you're dating a guy and they don't have childhood friends or haven't had friends that are like lifelong, then that's a red flag. And that's always really been triggering to me because I don't have a lot of like, I don't have any friends from university that I like met at university and hang out with. I really don't have a lot of friends from my hometown that are like close friends, you know, like people I talk to and acquaintances and that sorts, but like 
I don't have those friendships that have come with me throughout my entire life. And I think that, I mean, maybe that is reflective on me. Maybe I'm just a shitty friend, but I like to think that that's not the case. And it's that I continuously keep like, I don't want to say outgrowing in a narcissistic way of I'm doing better or more than or anything just different, you know, like I just then choose a different path. I'm no longer in alignment with those people. And that's okay. Honoring what that was. It was a beautiful relationship. I'll still love and respect you. But if we're not good for each other in whatever capacity anymore, that's okay. So I think that's exactly what happens when you are, you know, entering a new chapter and stepping into a different timeline of yourself. But we're told even societally, like, in media and you know movies and everything like you're you're supposed to have those friends that have been with you forever and you should retreat back to it because you need them but you'll find them on the other side and do you think social media has been a big catalyst to that for you like finding your new people yeah it's been huge because it's connected me with i mean the thing is is that like it wouldn't be a huge thing for me if i wasn't sharing my opinions and my views but because I share my opinions and views about like traditional relationships and, um, you know, modern day feminism and all this stuff, it's really connected me with the people that feel the same way. And maybe they're scared to speak out or they just feel this way. And I didn't know that. And, you know, whatever it may be. So I've connected with so many of these people, but also stepping into my business, it's just like having this podcast has forced me to, um, forced or having a podcast has forced me to connect with so many people too, because I want to find guests for my podcast. And then I get to know these people. And so, um, yeah, social media has been the most amazing and like beautiful thing for me the past year. Um, and you can use social media in a toxic way, but I also think you can also connect with like the coolest people online, you know? Yeah. I have always had such a positive experience on, on social media for the very, for the most part, like there's been very few times that it's been negative in any way. And I think this is just a testament to you can curate it. And when you are more outspoken about your values, it essentially forces that curation process, you know, of your own volition or not, because people will take themselves, see themselves to the door. And I have seen your social media go from really, it was just your personal social media to now it's transitioned to this kind of personal professional balance, which I think I do as well, where like you are your business and you're, you know, talking about your coaching, but also talking about your values. And so because you kind of did that switch, it seems like to me all at the same time, I also think it's perfect because you didn't start with easing into like, oh, I'm a coach, but I don't really talk about my values. I feel like it all kind of happened in one fell swoop. And this is maybe a judgment from just my perspective. It maybe didn't feel like that, but that's such a priority way to do it where you're like, "This, this is who I am. This is what I value versus easing into that and bringing it later. Because I think that becomes even more challenging for people to accept. Well, okay. But you know, she wasn't talking about this originally and now she is, you know, you kind of like rip the bandaid off of like, I don't think it was a 180 really for you personally, but just in what you were sharing. I think a lot about, I've been doing social media for so long. Some of the things I'm starting to value now are new to me, which means that will be very new to anybody that I share if I start posting about it on social media. And also that that I almost have a responsibility, not that I do, I could just preach whatever. But then I almost feel I have some sort of semblance of responsibility to ease people into something that has newly shifted 
within my value system, right? Because I've probably been stewing on it. As you said, if it takes people 12 years to even take the first step, you know, I've gone through the pre-contemplation and contemplation to then deciding, okay, this is something I value. Um, Even when I booked this Nicaragua trip, I'm like, oh my God, this is going to look batshit to people who are like seeing me book it in like a day. I booked it in like three days and within 10 days was here, whatever. But it had been something stewing in the back of my mind. I hadn't taken action on it for like eight to 12 months, right? So again, with the social media thing, you're sharing, but not sharing every single thing. And I've absolutely loved seeing what you're sharing because I think it does also plant seeds of curiosity for people. I would love to hear how your mental and physical health has changed with this transition, not only professionally, because I really do think that has such a massive impact on your health, but personally and what you've been doing in the kitchen and with the lifestyle changes that you've made, because I know you're doing a lot of optimizing and, um, you know, we like to use the word biohacking, which I think is actually just undoing the unnatural things that we've created as humans. I'm like, biohacking is more just like doing what we should be doing. So how has that changed for you mentally and physically over these last, well, a year and a half, two years? Yeah, I agree. It shouldn't be called biohacking. It should be called living as a human like living as how a human should. <laughs> yeah. Undoing. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Like I, I feel like I've been on this journey for um, probably like a year and a half. Like, honestly, I started diving into this stuff and I've been, I've been health conscious and I've been conscious of um, and, and curious about this kind of stuff for a long time. So it wasn't like I had like a big wake up call and then I immediately started changing everything. It's right. always been like, a slow process and I've always kind of tried to reach for cleaner products, cleaner ingredients and things like that. But I just over the past year and a half really started waking up to, you know, different toxins, different chemicals and things like that were that were in products that I wasn't even aware of. And then, you know, different um, foods and things like that. So I started eating primarily animal animal based a year and a half ago, which was ultimately, you know, I eat a lot of like grass fed beef, um, honey, fruit, uh, organ supplements, um, a lot of that kind of thing. And I definitely get some crazy eyes from people or when I started and animal based and carnivore was like not a thing yet. It was not trending yet. People were like, you're literally batshit. Like all you eat is beef and fruit. Like you're crazy kind of thing. Um, but I felt so good. I, I felt so, so, so good. I was like, I don't care what people say to me. I will preach this to everybody. I don't care at all. So that's kind of what like started it for me. And then I slowly shifted things. Like now I use tallow as my skincare. Um, Instead of using like a skincare, a whole like skincare regime or whatever, I used beef tallow and my skin is like so dewy and nice and amazing. Like I love it, you know, Um, things like I don't use laundry detergent anymore. I just use white vinegar. That's it. Um, What else? Like, uh, you know, just it's slowly shifting things, things in my life that maybe aren't serving the best, highest quality of my life to something that will. And it's not, um, it didn't happen overnight. And I wouldn't ever want someone to feel overwhelmed, like they need to get rid of everything out of their house. They need to change everything overnight. It's just maybe open your eyes and start questioning what you're consuming and what you're putting on your body, because what you're putting on your body, you are consuming. So, if you have a bathroom drawer full of products that are toxic and full of chemicals, 
um, or your shampoo or whatever it may be, try swapping out like one product a month or something like that and then sustain that, you know, even like your tampons. There's so many chemicals in your tampons and and things like that. Like, and I think we have this, um, like I used to feel this way anyways, but I think we have this idea that more is more when it comes to like products and things like that. Like we have, you know, these different shampoos, we have all the different creams for our face, we have all the different makeup, we have all the different, like all the different things that we need. And I have like dialed so back in my life that I literally, you put tallow on my skin, I've got tallow soap, like I use my tallow soap to wash my hair, you know, I just have brought it so back to the basics. And it's like, if I don't know where the ingredients are from, um, I don't generally want it. Of course, I'm not perfect. I'm not a purist. You know, I'm like, you know, I do things, but I try my best to know exactly where my ingredients are coming from. And I have lately been really working on making things myself. Like I, I uh, get my own raw milk and I'm going to be making my own cheese and my own butter and things like that. So and so easy. Yeah. Like the, I made towel lotion before I went. I'm like, this is so easy. I made like six months worth of towel lotion in a couple of hours for no money. And I think you made a really good point where you don't have to 180 everything. And as you highlighted at the beginning of the episode, what your main focuses are like movement, nutrition, community, dial those into the basics first. Like if your nutrition is not even surrounded with whole foods right now, okay, bring it to whole foods first. And then maybe you get to keto and maybe then you get to animal based and maybe then you get to carnivore, but you know, not having to strip everything because I think that's where it becomes just too overwhelming to people and they resist it all because it's just way too difficult to make those changes. And I mean, even here, I have said, you know, I think I probably, I use less than most people in terms of like, you know, skincare products and everything, definitely not even close to like being a purist yet. Um, But even now being stepped into life here, I'm eating way less variety in foods, no packaged foods. I am using less in terms of like what I'm consuming on my body and everything else. I'm like, okay, now I know I have like, there's one more step to it. If I need that much less, like I, you know, what I brought here even with me is like 10 times what I need. And so like taking that home with me, I'm like, yeah, I will make a huge shift. And um, something that I w- would love for you to touch on briefly, because you talked about menstrual products. Also something that you talk about a lot is birth control, which has been more and more of the conversation that I've been having with my clients as well, because when you're fundamentally shifting your hormones, I think it makes health and mental health so much more challenging to achieve the baseline of right and it's almost in alignment with like if you're as you said you know if you're struggling with your mental health but you're not going outside and you're not eating well and you're not moving your body it's so difficult to really see what is the actual baseline of your health and you know I think a lot of people don't realize how much birth control impacts that with your mental and physical health yeah yeah this is something I'm super passionate about because um you know the clients I work with are women and so you know, a lot of women are, well, we need to find a way to not get pregnant if 
if um like if you're in a relationship and you're having sex and you're not ready to have a baby yet of course you want to find a way to have protection but i think a lot of women are feeling very like stuck because they maybe don't want to be on birth control but they've been led this narrative that tracking your cycle and um using like fer- fertility method awareness um or fertility awareness method what am i trying to say um is not safe not effective is not accurate and that you can just get pregnant at any time, which is so not true. You can only get pregnant for like five or six days of the month. And if you're tracking accurately, you know, you're taking your basal um, body temperature, you're, you know, checking out your uh, mucus and your fluids and like you're tracking properly, then it's actually like very, very, very accurate, you know? Um, And so the issue with birth control, and I just watched this documentary called The Business of Birth Control, and I highly recommend for all people, men and women, to watch it because it's insane. Where did you watch it? It's on YouTube. Um, Yeah. So I watched that documentary and I already was pretty anti-birth control, um, but it just really opened my eyes a lot. And I think we're Um, fed this narrative from doctors and the Western medical system that, you know, women need to be put on birth control to control acne, to control hormone hormone issues, you know, PCOS, endometriosis, uh, all of this stuff, but it's just so not accurate. And um, the percentage of women that get depression, anxiety from birth control and from their hormones being so out of whack because of this pill, um, is insane. And it's not, that's not talked about. That's not talked about at all. And then what happens is women are, um, you know, diagnosed with depression, anxiety, and then they're prescribed another pill to mask their symptoms. And then all of a sudden they have hormone issues. They're feeling wonky. Um, they're taking, you know, SSRIs or antidepressants, whatever, um, and feeling like a dull lump on the log. Like they're like, I can't function. I'm so dull. I'm like not even, you know, a present human being kind of thing. So, um, and there's no shame or judgment to anyone on birth control. There's still so many women that are on birth control because that's what's serving your, yeah, that's what's serving your highest quality of life. But I just think, um, wake up to it. Go go do your research, wake up. Yeah. I think, yeah, do, do your own research. I think that's a great point. And no, I never want anyone to have judgment or shame. I just want to like plant that seed of considering different options. Like I will, I was prescribed birth control in my early teen years and was on it for years and then was on a skin medication that wanted me on two different forms of birth control and like, you know, just adding those. So um, I think the conversations like these just are, are meant to plant those seeds, which I appreciate so much. And that said, I feel like it feels like we've been talking for five minutes because there's 800 topics I want to dive into, but we're going to swap over to your podcast soon. So I want you to first Tell me a little bit about your coaching briefly. Tell me about your podcast and what's next for you. I'm going to give you five rapid fire questions and then we'll stop over and continue the conversation on your channel. Okay. Sounds good. Yeah. So like I mentioned briefly, I, I coach women um, and primarily the field that I coach women in is helping them get out of survival mode and um, not allowing their like trauma and their past to hold them back anymore. Because I think a lot of people get held back by oh, this, this was my past. This was my life. I cannot have this future. I am not capable. I'm not smart enough. I'm not worthy. I'm not whatever it may be. 
And so really breaking down those barriers and living up to your potential, because I would say the vast majority of people, if not all of us are not living up to our potential. Um, And so it's just helping break down those barriers with women and really get them flourishing while also encouraging them to really be in their feminine energy and live. Because I think that personally, when women can step into their feminine energy, step out of survival mode, that's where like we flourish. That's where we flourish. So that's just a little gist. Um, my Instagram is Terry underscore Boucher. Uh, and yeah. And tell me how the podcast ties into that. You talk a lot about those concepts, mm-hmm. but I know you have a variety of guests as well. So what is the main theme of the podcast? Yeah. So my podcast is unhinged and healing and um, my podcast isn't, <laughs> yeah, my podcast isn't necessarily primarily around like survival mode and getting past your trauma and um, living up to your potential. Um, Obviously, I definitely touch on those topics, but it's quite a wide range. I talk about, you know, the controversial opinions and political things that I'm passionate about. I talk about all things self-growth and healing um, with a huge focus on being really authentic. Like I want to provide a space for my guests to show up as their wacky self, to say what they want to say, to feel safe, to voice how they feel and their opinions, um, and not feel like they have to show up as this shiny, perfect thing. Because oftentimes the narrative when healing is that we have to be perfect. We have to show up perfect. But that's not the truth. Sometimes healing is messy. Sometimes it's unhinged, you know, be your authentic self, do your thing. And you can also still be healing and be authentic. So that's kind of that's kind of the theme of it. And I think you do that by sharing what you share about your day to day, giving people permission to do the same. Anything big coming up for you? What's next for you? Just continuing to grow the bit, the business. Is there anything specific that you're working on? Yeah, nothing crazy specific. Um, just continuing to, um, you know, wow. help people. I have a huge mission. I'm like in a hurry to serve women and help them change oh, their lives. That. And uh, so, yeah, nothing, nothing specific. But I'm just really working on growing my podcast, growing my community of badass women, and um, just yeah. It's beautiful. I feel like in a hurry to serve, you need to put that on a t-shirt or something. Yeah. Hashtag. Yeah. Hashtag. Okay. Last but not least, rapid fire question. Who is your biggest role model? Oh my gosh. That's a, I feel like that's a loaded question. My first, my first instinct is just to say my coach, cause he's helped me so, so, so much. Um, but I think I have so many role models. Like I love Elena Cardone, you know, Grant Cardone. Yes, but I don't know her. His his wife. She's oh. so badass. She's so beautiful. She's so feminine. And she like just pushes him to be his best self. And I think as a woman, that's kind of our role uh, in a partnership is to really push our man to be their best self, be in their masculine, show up as um, the leader in the relationship. And yeah, anyways. I will follow. I want to check her out. What is the best advice you've ever received? Oh. I've received so much good advice. Um, you know, just because it's relevant and it's recent, I just want to say the advice that my dad's neighbor or landlord gave me. Um, and I already mentioned it, but you know, God doesn't put anything on your shoulders that you can't handle. So I think that's good. Best book or resource you'd recommend to people. Oh my God. Atomic habits. I've read it like <laughs> that's my favorite. Times. Yeah. I, it's, it's the my book favorite. I recommend to everyone. 
good one. I love it so much. Yeah. Th- this is what, there's a reason we get, <laughs> uh, personal mantra or words you live by. Ooh. Um, you know, I often remind myself just like be obsessed. Um, because I think it's really, really important to be obsessed with your life. And there's this narrative that it's not healthy or it's not okay to have an obsession, which is not true. It's just, you need to have healthy obsessions. You know, if you're obsessed with your life, if you're obsessed with your career, if you're obsessed with having, being healthy and, um, being, you know, the best version of you, then that's incredible. But you know, the normies, the people that are stuck in their comfort zone, in their lame life, they're going to tell you that an obsession is unhealthy, which is just not true. So I think be obsessed. It's hard to see other people thriving if you feel like you're not. So great. I love it. Well, and I think it's an intense quote and I don't necessarily abide by all of this, but you hear the quote, be obsessed or be average choosing the right obsession that's just going to push you into that higher timeline and last but not least i know you mentioned it but for everyone who wants to find you instagram socials podcasts where can we get more of you and our second part to our conversation (laughs) yeah um so my instagram is terry underscore boucher and then yeah my um podcast is the unhinged and healing podcast it's on apple spotify a bunch of other places i don't even know but um, those are the main ones. And yeah, I am on TikTok. I think just Terry Boucher as well. I'm not super, super active on there, but yeah. And for everyone listening, go find us over on Terry's podcast. We'll be there. And thank you so much, my dear. I feel like I need to have you back soon so we can have the eight hours of other conversation that I wish we got into today. Right. This was so good. Thank you so much. I'm so excited for this one. Yes. Okay. Well, thanks for being here and I'll see you shortly. Yeah. That's all the time we have together this week. Thank you so much for being here with Terry and I. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode every Sunday. You can find me on Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook at KY Wellness. More details about all episodes can be found at kywellness.ca under the podcast tab. Don't forget to move your body, nourish your body, be kind to yourself, be kind to others. See you next week and keep yourself well.